Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you for the last episode of 2023. Can you even believe it? We're over 200 episodes now, which is pretty exciting in the podcast world. And our final episode of the year actually is talking about a topic that is pretty well kind of discussed in the functional space and in the biohacking world, but is still very controversial in conventional medicine. And um, I'm talking, of course, about ozone and ozone therapy. So my guest today, Michael Lowe, is an expert in this area. He's got an incredible website with incredible resources. But before we talk about that, I want to talk to you a little bit about one of my new favorite tools in my toolkit when it comes to exercise. And look, like how tired are you of spending hours on cardio with very little to show for it? So listen up. Or maybe you do hours of cardio, but you just don't have the time and things start to fall by the wayside. So listen up because I've got a game-changing fitness breakthrough for you. It's called the Carol Bike, a science-backed time-saving solution trusted by experts for optimizing health and longevity. And this bike does more than just help with fitness levels. So Carol's revolutionary reduced exertion hit workouts um, with these workouts called Rehit, you can achieve double the health and fitness benefits compared to regular cardio in 90% less time. Like imagine that, right? You can either do a 10 or a five minute workout. You can also use this bike as a Peloton. You can do lots of things, but the real money shot, the real value in this Carol bike is that in 10 minutes, three times a week, or as little as five minutes, three times a week, which is kind of like unbelievable, you can achieve incredible results for your health. So they've done studies that show that by doing Carol's quick five-minute workout just three times a week, you can improve your fitness by 12%, reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes by 62%, and even wind back your internal clock by up to 10 years. Like that's amazing. So the science is clear. Carol Bike is can be your ticket to a healthier, more vibrant life. And here's an ex- exclusive offer for you, my listeners. You can get $100 off your bike with code NAT, N-A-T. All you have to do is visit carolbike.com and use discount code NAT. All right, let's talk about the episode a little bit. There are so many realms within the field of medicine that remain underappreciated and ozone therapy is definitely one of those. Ozone therapy is an alternative medical treatment that introduces ozone or ozonides to the body. But, and it does this in a multitude of different ways, which is interesting because you can't just sit and breathe in ozone, it'll make you sick. But today I'm with Michael Lowe and we navigate the science behind this unique approach and the numerous studies and clinical trials that support ozone therapy's effectiveness despite not having FDA approval and being stigmatized by conventional medicine. We explore its potential as a catalyst for engaging our body's intelligence and how it's applied across a diverse range of areas from dentistry to skincare. Ozone therapy is a fascinating alternative treatment that has the potential to revolutionize the way we view health and well-being. Now, we have a special offer for you guys. Uh, You can get 10% off anything on the Simply03 website just by using code NATNIDAM at checkout. And NIDAM is N-I-D-D-A-M. 
at checkout. So Nat Nidham at checkout. Now you can find out more about Micah Lowe on Instagram. His handle is at Micah for health, the, the word for, and then the website, like I just said, is simply o3.com. Okay. One more thing before we jump into the episode, and that is another massive piece of the puzzle when it comes to being healthy and lean. Um, and that is about gut health. Now, did you know that 25% of people have low amounts of acromancia in their gut, including me, and that 18% have no detectable acromancia in their gut at all? So why is this a big deal? Acromancia mucinophila is one of the most incredibly beneficial gut bacteria linked to everything from healthy weight to GLP-1 production. That's right, GLP-1, that's that stuff you're trying to stimulate with those GLP-1 agonists to balance blood sugar and a stronger and even a stronger gut lining. This powerful strain makes up one to 5% of the total bacteria in a healthy gut. It may not sound like much, but the actions, that is a very significant proportion. Thus, this is why I bring a great importance to keep keeping this gut bacteria present and alive. Now, the bad news is that there are no foods that contain acromantia. So you can't eat your way to higher levels of acromantia. Supplementing it is, has until now has been incredibly difficult due to being it being an anaerobic organism. This means it can only survive in an environment that is 100% oxygen-free, basically anaerobic, just like your gut. So this is this was true until Pendulum came, came along. So, and I've been using it for a couple of months. I'll be retesting my gut pretty soon. Pendulum hired specialized microbiologists to create an oxygen-free manufacturing process from scratch. Because of this, Pendulum is the only company that sells live acromantia in the U.S. and the only supplier that I fully trust. There's a lot of acromantia out there, a lot of supplements to claim that they have acromantia, but for the most part, it's not alive. So you can try it yourself by going to pendulumlife.com forward slash nat. You will get a discount, you will get your acromantia. And if I can give you a little pro tip, that is that while you're there, also order the the, um, the ultimate phenols or there's a phenol supplement in there because if you're going to reintroduce acromantia into your gut, you want to feed the acromantia and what they feed on are phenols. And so Pendulum Life also has a phenol supplement that will help to feed the acromantia and help it to get established in your gut. All right, let's jump into the episode and learn about ozone. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome to the show, Michael Lau. It is a pleasure to re-meet you today after connecting a few times this spring. Yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk about ozone therapy, whatever else we talk about. But yeah, like I was saying, I really appreciated connecting with you too. You're just a very kind, genuine person and uh, obviously deliver a lot of good educational uh, value to your audience as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I feel the same. Um, I think that uh, it didn't take much convincing on either of our parts to say, okay, we need to have a conversation about <laughs> ozone together. So I'm really excited because actually, although we only just met a couple of months ago, you've been on my radar for a while. And it's just, I actually think at some point in the last couple of years, I walked by your booth and said, oh, ozone, I really want to do a podcast about that. And you said, yeah, let's do it. And then I vanished into the ether as we do at these conferences. So I'm glad that this time we actually really connected <laughs> and made this happen. So 
Micah, you are in many ways the man to talk to about ozone therapy, which I'm super excited about because ozone is one of these topics that is vast. Um, a lot of people make a lot of claims about ozone. It's a very exciting area. Uh, I was just saying to you, you know, I just did a poke around on PubMed. I just typed in ozone therapy and I was blown away by the, not only the number of articles, but the, the many, many different applications it's being studied for. Um, so, you know, without me rambling on about this too much, maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about ozone. I know it's a family thing in your world. Um, yeah. but maybe talk to us a little bit about this ozone business and anything you think would start, give us a good platform to spring off of here. Yeah. I think it's kind of a interesting topic because like you said, there's a lot of research on it. So when I first got into it, there was over 1800 medical studies on it. They range in credibility. So not all of them are like, oh, these are double blinds and done really, really well. But there, there definitely is a theme there. And now there's over 2,500 medical studies done on ozone therapy. And it does have the double blind with the control and uh, clinical trials that have been done. And it has on the science side, a good amount of credibility uh, for it and what it works for. So it's kind of interesting that it's one of those therapies that is demonized by conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from stigma. So Ozone, a lot of people might be aware that you can't actually breathe ozone because in cities like LA or New York, they'll say the ozone level is such and such today, which mm -hmm. is tied to a negative thing. And the reason for that is because you can't breathe ozone. So our lungs don't have this antioxidant buffering system. If the ozone goes in there, it oxidizes the lung tissue, but it can be safely used in a lot of different ways because there's an antioxidant buffering system, which essentially protects the cells from oxidation and it creates a beneficial cascade effect. So it's kind of interesting in that there's so much behind it, so much clinical research, so much social credibility. There are tens of thousands of doctors using it on a regular basis. And it still is just one of those things that's kind of left out there as like uh Oh, that's, that's weird. Or that doesn't work. Oh, it's fake. And, um, and that is usually coming from people that just don't know about it, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that's definitely kind of in the alternative health space because it, uh, has not been FDA approved today. Um, but that being said, I just find it fascinating because it can be used in so many different disciplines. So, there's four primary ones. There's medical, which would be like the IVs. You can do rectal or vaginal insufflation, which isn't very glamorous, but it does work pretty well for uh, issues pertaining to those areas uh, and some other things. Um, then you have like joint injections. So it can be used in regenerative mm -hmm. joint injections and kind of it wouldn't be a replacement for stem cells or anything like that, but it's a much cheaper alter alternative to try out, see if it's going to help with a herniated disc, see if it's going to help with a tendon tear. Um, and, and it is pretty successful in that. So there's Dr. George Kramer. People can look up to, to find, you look like you're going to ask something off that. Yeah. I want, I need to back up like three statements ago. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how, like, how does it like for, for example, for injecting into joints, what is it that the ozone's doing? Like, that's pretty fascinating, right? How is it? Do we do we understand or do you understand? Is there any kind of level of understanding in terms of how it's helping with the joints? For example? Yeah. So uh, 
ozone, just real quick, is a gas. So oxygen is O3, O2, ozone is O3. So mm-hmm. we're applying a medical grade ozone gas somewhere into the body. And so any application you do, it's going to be a medical grade ozone gas that goes into the body. But essentially what it's doing is it's causing a mild stress to the body. So okay. for example, if we take out some blood, we put some ozone in it, it interacts with the antioxidants, but it creates all these lipid peroxides and these reactive oxygen species. But when you put that back into the body, it essentially responds to that stress and builds back stronger. So there's other, that's a hormetic therapy, right? So there's a other things stressor, like that. Yeah. yeah, that'd be sauna, exercise, ice baths. There's a lot of them out there. Um, and those are massively helpful because it essentially engages the intelligence of your own body, which is mm-hmm. much better than any drug. So a drug will go in and force something to turn on or off. Whereas ozone therapy is a catalyst to engage the intelligence of your body. And so it's causing this stress, which ends up, it depends on the tissue that it's applied to. But for example, in the IVs, helps with immune modulation, helps with energy production, oxygen efficiency, microcirculation. It actually mitigates chronic oxidative stress, which is really interesting because it's an oxidant. Um, but it, it can be used in all these different ways. And so the, the stress essentially um, engages the intelligence of your body. So for example, the there was a study done and there there's a couple similar studies to this but there was one done on cerebral blood flow and mm-hmm. so they were assessing certain parts of the brain that were hypoxic right they're not getting proper oxygen delivery they're not getting proper blood flow and right. they would do ozone therapy and assess like hey how how is the oxygen delivery and blood flow to the different portions of the brain functioning after we do an ozone treatment? And then they tested before as well. But what they found is that the parts of the brain that needed the oxygen delivery that were hypoxic, they got the boost that they were looking for. Whereas other parts of the brain that didn't need it, didn't get the boost. So it kind of looks like ozone is almost intelligent, but it's not. No, it's, it's because it's creating, yeah, it's it's really just a stimulus, a catalyst for your body to be able to do what it does well. So all we're trying to do with ozone therapy is use this stress to engage the intelligence of the body and cause, cause homeostasis. And in one word, if I had to describe what ozone therapy is doing, it would be balance. Interesting. That's so interesting. Cause I didn't necessarily, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. Right. Because it's an oxidant. It's a, it's pro So you almost think, okay, it's going to throw things out of whack, but because of, I guess, the degree, it it just re it brings back a certain balance to the system. But talk to me about it as um because one of the things that I've heard about ozone, and I mistakenly thought that if I got an, if a person gets an ozone IV, one of the things that could happen is there could be a cleaning out of sorts of pathogens in the blood. Is that an effect of an ozone? Can that be an effect of an ozone IV or is that actually not, it's actually affecting the immune system and helping the immune system to deal with the pathogens more directly? Yeah, it's the latter. So people kind of, yeah. <laughs> and I, I know it's splitting hairs to a degree because the outcome is somewhat similar. So yeah, there's doctors not. that, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, as far as a layperson goes, but yeah. So like a doctor will use ozone therapy for Lyme disease, for mold toxicity, for even sepsis, like different infections that they can use it for. So people look at that and say, well, it's clearing out the pathogens. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not. So the ozone has an extremely quick uh, reaction time. So when you put it into the blood, it's there for less than a millisecond. So the ozone's really? gone. 
It's not floating around in your body doing stuff. Um, so that that's what I'm saying. It causes this stress response. The ozone is gone. And then your body is now engaged because the immune system is balanced out and the immune system is able to get rid of these pathogens, get rid of these, these things in the, the body that are affecting it. So yeah, it's really truly the body that's doing the work more than the ozone. The ozone is just the stimulus that we use for it. Just like exercise, you want to get bigger muscles. Well, you need a stimulus such as mm-hmm. working out. Yeah. No, that's really, that's so interesting. So, so with people who are dealing with whether it's mold or Lyme, like those kinds of toxicities. So assuming that we've removed the source of exposure in the, in the case of mold and mycotoxins, um, is there a general rule of thumb in terms of how long a person would need to undergo ozone therapy? Is it a one and done kind of deal? I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and says it sure. probably depends. <laughs> because it yeah, yeah, does. right. Every everything <laughs> depends. Yeah. Um yeah. So I, I would say the most common protocols that people are doing is usually six to twelve treatments. Most people see a if they're gonna see a beneficial response from it in three to four treatments. Some people are like they get a really good response in one treatment. And that, like you said, depends on what is the causative agent? What did the body need? And sometimes ozone therapy fills that gap to where people do one treatment. And that's why you see some of those testimonies where people are like, I did one treatment and it changed my life. Like the lights yeah. turned on and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that that is because those people probably had something that had a more, the ozone had a more of a direct effect on. Mm-hmm. But for most people, they will see uh, some sort of beneficial response in three to four treatments. And then for chronically sick, um, say stage four cancer, they might be doing 30 to 40 treatments, um, but kind of midline symptoms, you have some pathogens, something to work with. It's a part of a protocol that's assessing multiple angles and going through different things. Six to 12 is kind of normal. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I was actually, um, I, I was on your website and I love the little blurb that you put beside the ozone, ozonated oil capsules. Um, <laughs> you get around. It's a very elegant kind of tongue in cheek way of getting around what you can and cannot say. Um, but my question to you is if ozone has the ability to um, positively impact pathogens in the gut, what stops it from being a negative for the microbiome? Like so often things that will clean out the bad players in the gut do a number on the good players in the gut as well. And so we end up ultimately with an imbalance. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great seems- question. Almost everybody has that one. So like yeah. the ozone enema, essentially, like how does that affect the microbiome and mm-hmm. what does it do to the positive bacteria? Because we need those. So essentially with ozone, we're using a pretty small amount. So we are putting it into the colon and it is killing the good and the bad. It's not selective it with that. Okay. However, it's a small amount and it's in a confined space. So your, your gut is really long. It's huge. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're putting it into one area and it has an effect on a few inches. But what you see is there's actually studies on it that they are able to remediate things such as dysbiosis, drinking the ozonated water and doing the ozone enemas. Um, or like, for example, I did a microbiome test recently and the, this was Dr. Mandy LaGreca. Um, she said, I have one of the best functioning microbiomes she's seen. And I think what's happened, and you know, I have articles on this that explain it in more depth, uh, on the website on drzozone.com, but 
essentially what I think is happening is yes, is killing some of the good and the bad in that small local area. But that stress response that the body responds to, it creates a better terrain for the positive bacteria to come back. So that's why it can work with things such as dysbiosis, because it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think that it would just make dysbiosis work worse, mm. but it's helping with dysbiosis, Crohn's colitis, uh, different diseases that have microbiome issues. And uh, yeah, I think it's because it's creating a better terrain for the beneficial bacteria to take place. And the immune system is more equipped to be able to eliminate the pathogens. Yeah. So a bit, it seems like it keeps coming back to this enabling of the immune system to function better, which is one of the first things you said about ozone at the beginning of the podcast was it's not so much what it's doing, but how it enables the body to do what the body does best, which is. Yeah. And it, it's such like a fascinating it would, concept, right? I mean. Yeah. To me, like I, you know, I want my body to be for performing well, because that's going to outperform any drug. And so if I can use things, that's why I'm pretty minimalistic in my lifestyle. As far as health tools that I use, I use ozone therapy, I use ice baths, I use sauna, obviously exercise, diet, sunlight, good water, good sleep, um, connection with people. Um, but yeah, I think engaging the intelligence of your body to be able to do what it does best mm -hmm. is going to be so much better than finding like, um, you know, buying $40,000 and all these different hacks and having them in your house and trying to do those, uh, do all those while you're not getting good sleep, not having a good connection with yeah. your community and those types of things. So um, for me, it's like a great add on that, that just can do this phenomenal thing, which really isn't the ozone itself. It's just your body. And so that's not like in my mind, the sexy answer, because I think, the cooler answer would be like, yeah, ozone is going through this. Uh, it is complex, but super complex pathway to selectively filter out and get rid of all these pathogens. And it's like this uh, super, you know, giant immune function type of thing in your body that's killing off all these things. And it's really not. It's just that your body is that smart that it's able to make these decisions once it has the uh, correct inputs, the correct prompts to be able to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, it's powerful, right? I mean, to be able to find a modality or an element like ozone that actually essentially just triggers cascades in the body that are beneficial is pretty powerful. And it is, it does from an upstream perspective, it does have the potential to solve a lot of different problems. Um, and to your point, to knock out the need for potentially a whole lot of supplements and other mod modalities and stuff. So I wanted to maybe get a little bit more specific on some of the things that I just came across. And maybe you can talk to us a little bit about how you see the ozone might be. I mean, you may end up repeating yourself a lot, but let's see. Let's see if, okay. if it always comes back to that same thing, because I do want to share with the audience that. And I'm not going to and I don't want anybody to walk away from here saying that ozone is going to be the final answer for them, because, I mean, it could be the one thing that's missing, potentially, if you've tried a lot of other things. But at the same time, and I do I would like to talk a little bit about what we were talking about before is and that is that you one of the things that you teach is where other modalities mesh with ozone. So coming back to the idea that ozone is very powerful on its own, but Ultimately, especially the more complex issues that a person is trying to deal with, understanding how it may work with other things that will also help that issue so that you have many pieces of the puzzle leading, hopefully, to some kind of resolution for your issues. 
So, mm-hmm. um, but one of the areas that ozone comes up in a lot is in dentistry. Um, and now we get into the big bad world of our, you know, our root canals, the work of the devil, or are they a modern day answer to a big fat problem? And it seems to me like the truth lies somewhere in the middle and it, and the devil is in the details here that, yeah. and maybe talking a little bit about ozone in, in oral care, because I, there are plenty of dentists using ozone in, in their clinics. Yeah. Well, well, actually in the, in the context of dentistry or like skin infections, so you can apply it onto the skin as a gas, or you can infuse it into water and then put the ozonated water onto the skin. Same thing in the mouth. So you can infuse the gas directly into an infected area or the ozone water. You can swish it or use an ozone oil, which retains peroxides that are antiseptic and have uh, basically healing capabilities by stimulating growth factor and hydrogen peroxide naturally in the body. But it does have actually more of a direct mechanism with an infection in the mouth or on the skin because the ozone itself is an oxidant, right? So what it likes to do is it likes to rip apart other materials. So if I had like a, a latex glove here and I was spraying gas over the latex glove, you would see it just kind of like disappear like a magic trick. What it's doing is it's it's actually oxidizing that tissue, turning it into a gas and it's just like uh, breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's also why we don't breathe. It wouldn't rip your lungs apart like that by any means. You'd cough and have irritation and um, you'd be fine. Like I've never come across somebody that's had permanent damage from it personally. Um, But yeah, in the context of putting it into, let's say an infected tooth or infected gums, the ozone goes in and actually kills the infection itself by breaking down the cell wall. So um, it does have more of a direct mechanism, but while it's doing that, it's also, like I said, it's stimulating growth factor. The platelets are releasing more growth factor in that area when they get this response from the ozone. And then it's also helping the skin or the tissue to create more hydrogen peroxide. Your body actually naturally creates hydrogen peroxide and ozone as an immune function for killing pathogens. So Mm. it increases that process in those areas um, as well as having a direct mechanism into the tooth. So dentists love it because they, that's probably one of the bigger departments that ozone is used in. So there's the IVs, which are pretty big. Um, There'll be a few thousand clinics adding ozone in the next couple of years uh, with some of these larger franchises and whatnot. Um, but in dentistry, it's pretty widely used because they'll use it for osteonecrosis of the jaw. Um, they'll use it for infected tooth. They have this little, uh, essentially needle. It's not sharp, but they'll put it down into an infected area and just spray the ozone gas in there. And then you you might be thinking, well, what about breathing it in? We said, we can't do that. They'll usually have a, a suction or a vacuum at the back of the throat so that none of the ozone is actually going into the lung tissue. Mm-hmm. Or you can use an ozone water, which there's not really any danger of breathing it if you're using ozone water. So they'll lavage the the wound or the infection site with the ozone water. Um, and some dentists even claim, I, I, I can't verify this personally, but that helps to remineralize teeth. It balances out the, the, the pH, the acidity, that kind of thing. And so there's you can look up Dr. Phil Mullica, Dr. Robert Harris, um, Dr. Valerie Cantor, um, a lot of really good dentists are using ozone for a variety of issues. Interesting. Well, and I wonder if they're using them in a certain fashion to, to do that, right. To, to, um, 
to mend, whether it's mending teeth or, or helping with the enamel. I mean, I would think with the enamel, you also need an actual agent to rebuild something like hydroxyapatite that I know has come up over the last few years as being more popular as actually being able to potentially improve the enamel on the surface of the tooth. Yeah. Like I said, I can't verify that for sure. Yeah. It's just something that I've heard from a number of dentists. And yeah. if there, like, if there's something that I hear independently from multiple people, I feel like that qualifies to at least talk about it and say, well, this isn't proven, but I've heard this from say 30 dentists that have had the same, have said the same thing and they're not talking to each other. So there's gotta be something there that they're seeing. And maybe it is within a certain protocol, a certain cocktail mm -hmm. that they're using to be able to get those kinds of results. But yeah, uh, on the anecdotal side, usually I won't even talk about an anecdote unless it makes it to that point, which is there's a lot of independent people talking about this, saying the same thing. And I know that they're not in the same group. Right. Yeah. N of one becomes N of one times 20 or something. And all of a sudden it's like, hmm, maybe there's something here. <laughs> yeah. Which it's, it's wild. Like uh, all the stuff I hear about ozone therapy and people using it. I mean, it's, it's one of those areas that I'm continually intellectually engaged with it because there's so much to it and so many different applications because I used to, you know, when I would see a therapy and I first got into this industry and this school of thought was you would see a you know, say go to a conference and somebody has uh, some sort of therapy or some sort of supplement that they say works with a hundred different diseases or a hundred issues, or it boosts like a hundred different things. And while that might not be, you know, some of it might be negligible in that it's like really not having a huge effect on that. Um, I, at the time I really, it was just kind of a big red flag. Like this mm -hmm. doesn't work for all that kind of stuff. But once you understand that there are treatments out there and like hyperbaric oxygen, like if you had to put together a list of what does that work for? Well, it's going to be huge because, again, that's another thing that it's not just the oxygen. It's the stimulus that your body engages and your more equipped body is now able to fight these diseases better or do these processes better. And it's the same thing with exercise. If I asked you to list out the benefits of exercise, well, there would be a lot. And so it's kind of a, you know, it's not a replacement for exercise or hyperbaric oxygen or those things, but it's in a similar train of thought that, yeah, we're, we're engaging the body. And so it can be used in a lot of different areas. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's, that's the acid test, right? Is for those for those things that people claim do a thousand things, is it the thing that's doing it or is it like an ozone or hyperbaric oxygen or even maybe even a PMF that is or made up huh? <laughs> or made up or made up? No, but is it, is, <laughs> yeah, it something yeah, that's, yeah. is it something that's actually enabling the body at a foundational level to work better? And therefore, from a downstream perspective, you can imagine it's affecting many, many different things or to your point. Did they just make it up? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, certainly at a lot of the conferences we go to that everybody, it seems to me, I don't think I've met too many snake oil salesmen. Maybe sometimes they're a little misguided or they'll overstate something, but um, I don't, I don't know. I, I tend to, I want to believe the good in most people, but yeah. I think so. But I think also understanding what the likelihood of a certain outcome is or how yeah. much it's boosting something or suppressing mm -hmm. something is really important because, I mean, if if you told me like, oh, you can take this uh, 
I, I, I'm making this up, totally making it up, but you can take this ashwagandha and you'll get a boost in testosterone. Well, are we talking about a 10th of a percent boost or a 20% boost? Because there's 100%. clearly a difference there. And so yeah. if you're considering your time and money and effort, you want to be putting it into the things that are going to have pull the biggest levers, right? So you don't want a 10th of a percent improvement. You want a radical improvement. And so the context of all those things is super important as to like, how effective are they? What is the likelihood of that outcome? And that's something that I would like to see in the space a little bit more as conversation surrounding that and, you know, percentages and hard numbers and, you know, studies to verify it too, rather than just saying like kind of a blanket statement of it does this. It's like, well, that's nice, but it's not exactly super helpful um, to say that it does that because there's a lot of things that can, you know, boost testosterone or suppress something. And it's, it's really important to understand how much it's going to have an effect. A hundred percent. Well, and I mean, you know, maybe, maybe supplement XY, that little percentage of testosterone boost is what an individual needs. Unfortunately, you get a lot of people running to it thinking this is, you know, who really have a major issue and not to mention the fact that they're going to run to that supplement and miss the part about why is your testosterone low in the first place? And yeah. what can you do first to address that to help to at least clear the way for the body to come back into balance? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think it's part of the human condition that these, the easy silver bullet answer is always the sexiest one that everybody's going to gravitate towards. And, um, yeah. Spoiler alert, it doesn't exist. I mean, that's that's why the like that's why the drug market exists is because it's a play on our psychology and our biology is because like say that you have a high blood pressure or something and then you take a I can't remember what they use for a statin or whatever um, for your high blood pressure. Um, and then you almost immediately get an alleviation of that high blood pressure. Well, biologically, your body is saying, wow, that worked really well. Keep doing that. And so it's kind of this positive feedback loop that you're reinforcing with these long-term negative drugs that just give you a quick boost, a quick um, alleviation of symptoms. And it's tough because you're fighting your own biology at that point to say, no, this isn't the right answer. But unfortunately, yeah, the right answer is usually the one that requires more effort, more work, um, and, and more intentionality because we can't just live a life that it has this poor lifestyle, poor lifestyle choices, and then expect to resolve it with a pill. And I know that's preaching to the choir because everybody talks yeah. about that. But yeah, it's well, it's yeah. So true. I mean, it's funny, you know, I mean, with blood pressure, because I think the the challenges and I know this because, you know, I, I have someone close to me in my life who has had very difficult to treat blood pressure to the point where they were put on a multitude of blood pressure medications because Mm -hmm. one wasn't doing it. And sitting from the outside, and I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't take a doctor to say, well, at any point, did anybody ask the question? Like if if there is high blood pressure, there is a physiological reason why that blood pressure is high. Yeah. The body is looking to correct something or to compensate for something, or maybe mechanistically there's something wrong with, with the blood vessels. But, you know, is there a possibility that if we considered those issues first and tried to restore balance from there, that even if you did end up still needing a blood pressure medication to some degree on the other side, you wouldn't need as much or you wouldn't end up on four of them. 
Yeah. And, the high and, blood. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And I, and the problem with blood pressure medications is they invariably lead to open the door to needing other medications to mitigate the side effects of the blood pressure. Like, yeah, it just doesn't end. Right. It's uh, that's how it box. goes for sure. Yeah. And I mean, the high blood pressure is your body's appropriate response to whatever is going on. And we often think of like for a flu, for example, having a high fever, vomiting, those types of things. Those are the symptoms that your body is actually utilizing to get rid of the pathogen. Yep. So if you think about that and you turn those off, well, now that pathogen is just floating around in your body. You've turned off your fever. You've turned off your vomiting, your diarrhea, those things that you're going through to be able to eliminate this. And you're just <laughs> in equipping your body to be able to do what it needs to do. Yeah. And so looking at things like high blood pressure through that lens, saying this is the appropriate response, I think is productive because it leads you to say, okay, so I need to get to the base of this, not just try to mask the symptom because masking the symptom is going to turn into more issues in the future. For sure. And look, guys, we're not saying, and, and I wouldn't say that blood pressure medication is always bad, but it no. would be great if more questions got asked initially um, to see if we can either use less or, or maybe not need it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't think that drugs are necessarily all bad. I think that sometimes you need an antibiotic. Sometimes it happens. And that's the beauty of living in, in this era. But I think the problem I think is they've become the go-to solution before anything else. And it's just, it's landing us into a heap of trouble over and over and over again. And, um, you know, yeah, I think the problem is that doctors have turned into drug dealers more than actual, like, and I'm not trying to slight anybody too hard there, but that's, that's really what the system is set up to do is what is your symptom? What is the drug that correlates with that? Okay, take this. Okay, now when another symptom pops up because we're taking this other drug and not actually resolving the issue, what drug do we take for that that's not going to interact with the other one? And that's how you end up with a country that is one of the worst performing in terms of chronic disease outcomes in the world behind third world countries, despite yeah. spending 19% of its GDP on healthcare, which is, it's so much, it's higher than any other country by far. And we're getting these terrible outcomes because the system is set up in a way that we're rewarded by taking these drugs and doctors are educated. The drugs are, you know, what you give to people and yeah. the lifestyle is kind of an after. Uh, afterthought. I mean, you can look at hospitals. So people going into surgery, doing different things, what are they given for food? Well, they're given like, oh, you have chicken tenders as an option. You have coffee with sugar as an option. Like before there yeah. was a nurse who posted a picture that uh, somebody going into heart surgery had their empty coffee cup and a couple of sugars you know, that were in the coffee prior to going into surgery. And it's just like, well, there's something wrong there because they're saying one thing where it's like, Hey, I'm going to give you this drug, but you need to work on your lifestyle. It's like, yeah, but they don't really even practice what they preach. They still just give you access to whatever food you want um, that is not good for you. And they don't prioritize healthy lifestyle. The hospitals are not set up to have people like moving and exercising, getting good sunlight, air quality, all those types of things. And so, and I understand it's difficult, right? But mm -hmm. healthcare is difficult. So you have to find a way to bring actual healthcare into uh, these situations. And yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start, uh, get off my soapbox on that. Got a little bit yeah, off base. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> I think we could talk about that for a long time and definitely 
Definitely. The good news, I think, is over the last couple of years, there has been a a growing awareness of people's need to really put their arms around and take ownership of their own health. Yeah. So I think that it's and it's percolating, you know, for a while it was only in the elite kind of not even the elite, but just the well-educated kind of more affluent circles. And I think what's happening now is that anybody joe blow is realizing hey i can make different decisions i and i think in in our circle of this biohacking health optimization world one of the responsibilities we have is helping people to access better health for themselves not just by spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on technology and supplements and, and the latest new shiny toy but helping people to really get their heads around how much you can really get done with lifestyle. And I think that's something that you yourself espouse. You said that earlier, right? I mean, yeah. you do have access to ozone, which is a beautiful thing. But aside from ozone, you know, I could do a cold plunge in my tub. I don't need a $7,000 cold plunge tub. I could, you know, either use my tub or a big garbage bin, fill it with cold water and dump in a few bags of ice and there's my cold punch. <laughs> we love to overcomplexify things and make them bigger than they need to be. Like uh, cryotherapy chambers, I think are an excellent example of that because yeah, you can just use a cold plunge that uh, you can DIY one for under a thousand dollars. If you just look up DIY ice bath, it's a chest freezer, you can do it. But these cryo chambers get up to being over a hundred thousand dollars to have not even as good of an effect as a DIY chest freezer and we love to overcomplexify it we love to make it expensive because it feels better yeah. and but it really is about those fundamentals you know like dave asprey says he's going to live to 150 or whatever if he dies 180. at 80 okay <laughs> if he dies at 85 it's a scam right and so like in my opinion um and and uh, you know i know there's like he's a huge net positive to the um, world and that he's bringing more awareness to these tools that are helpful to people and uh, aren't just a drug that aren't just these things that mask the symptom and actually get down to the root of things. But I think what that's telling me is that, you know, you can have all these tools and all these different modalities and things that you want to do, but the basics always win. And so say all these biohacking things are the 10%. Well, don't lose track of the 90% because yeah. that really is where the money is at. So if you, you know, forego your focus on those things to do, you know, an extra treatment, well, uh, I'm not sleeping good. So I'm just, and I've gotten caught up in that, right? Like, do. oh, I'm just going to hack my way out of this because I got to work hard. So I'm only going to sleep a few hours tonight. I'm going to get up and burn the candle at both ends. Well, that, that just isn't how your biology is. It, you mm -hmm. can't overcome that. And so, yeah, I think we, we really love to overcomplexify. And the more interesting, attract, more attractive things are the expensive things or the things that are unique or different. And those are netting you some benefit, but not nearly as much as the basics. A hundred percent. And the fancy stuff, you know, to your point, the fancy stuff won't work if you haven't taken care of the 90 percent. So, yeah. Um, so doing that 90 percent. OK, let's get back to ozone because we sure. kind of we wandered <laughs> away, which is fine. It was good, good conversation um, on the. So so if I I came up with there were three words, anti-infective, um, oxidant, which has therefore an antioxidant, you know, kind of effect in the end on the body and immune regulation, which are three really powerful 
streams of of impact on a, on on any system, on any biological system, really. And so when we talk about there was a, there's mention of ozone for and I really don't like the word anti word anti-aging because we are aging whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah. By definition we are aging, but in the land of aging better um and and aging, you know, just being healthier as we age, ozone has its role to play. I mean, ultimately, foundationally, anything we can do to make our immune system better is going to help us to age better. But beyond that, is there more to ozone on this healthy aging front? Or do you think it basically boils down to what we've been talking about now? That if I... Yeah, it has to do with the antioxidant system. So the reason that we can use an oxidant to mitigate chronic oxidative stress and oxidative stress. So that's an imbalance between your antioxidants and your free radicals that are in your cells and floating all over the place. Free radicals are messaging molecules that are really helpful for telling the body what to do and how to do it and all that kind of stuff. And antioxidants are a very, a very strong protective mechanism. So if you have good antioxidants, you can go through uh, chemotherapy and have less negative side effects and th- all that kind of stuff. So with ozone therapy, we're stimulating that stress response that actually creates more free radicals, which people would look at that at the surface level and say, well, that doesn't sound good. It's actually creating a mild acute oxidative stress. But what happens on the more global scale or the larger scale over a longer period of time is that your body responds to that by endogenously creating more antioxidant enzymes. Mm. So supplementing with like glutathione is a really good thing, right? So it's helpful, cell protection, all that kind of stuff really helps the body to run well. But what's better than that is if you can get your body to create its own antioxidant enzymes naturally, because it's your body creating it, it utilizes it better. And so ozone therapy is doing that. And this chronic oxidative stress cycle is when these free radicals and these antioxidants get out of balance. So they like to stay in this tight loop, like more antioxidants, more free radicals, less, less, more, more, all that kind of stuff. So it's trying to keep those two systems in balance. And chronic oxidative stress is when the free radicals get out of control and then they don't know what to do. They're not doing their messaging job and they're starting to throw wrenches into the system, creating pre uh premature mitochondrial dysfunction. Uh, If people are familiar with that, your mitochondria are the energy cells of the body. So if you uh, delete those, essentially uh, you have less energy production, but it's not just energy. It's like everything across your body. And so the excess of these free radicals um, turns into this chronic oxidative stress, which is theorized to be the leading cause of aging and disease at the fundamental level, right? I mean, I can, you can say like, oh, you have a pathogen, this or that, but kind of getting down to like, what is the the common thread through all of this? That's the most foundational piece. And most institutions would say that it's actually chronic oxidative stress. So if we're looking at that and saying, that's one of our biggest, most fundamental problems. And then we add ozone therapy in, which mitigates that process. And there is good studies on it. Um, yeah, you should age more gracefully. Um, and so it will have a good effect on it and it does a lot of other stuff too. So the reason I got into this world is because my brother had brain cancer and we were going, he was going through Mm -hmm. Johns Hopkins, the medical system. Right. And he, um, at the time we just kind of were, yeah, the, the guy in the white coat knows it all. Um, but his quality of life was diminishing and his critical thinking processes had gone downhill significantly due to open brain surgeries and different things. 
they had started, they, they basically got to the point that said, Hey, we don't know what we're, what we can do, but we can do some experiments essentially. So, um, my brother essentially got turned into a stat line for the medical institution. So experiments included, there was this one highly toxic chemotherapy agent that, um, they wanted to give to him. But when you looked into the research, it only worked for 13% of people. The upside did. Um, everybody got the downside, but only 13% of people potentially got the upside. And that was based on they had to have a certain genotype to get that 13% uh, to be in that 13%. Uh, they didn't even test my brother for that genotype to ensure that he this? was. I don't know, but it's their job to know. Um, yeah, no yeah, <laughs> um, know. It's, it's their job to know. So I don't know if they knew that or not, but it's like. Hold on a second. When you go into the literature, it's saying that this right there. You, you have to test for a genotype to even see if this is going to be helpful. So that was and, and that was just kind of the process of of working with Johns Hopkins at that point, which in my mind, that's the poster child of cancer care. Right. That's mm -hmm. like the cutting edge, mm -hmm. the cream of the crop. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They do a lot of amazing work sure. and there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, but as far as my brother was concerned, it was uh, clearly a road of diminishing quality of life and, and, uh, you know, you know, eventual death. And I'm so, so oh yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, it, it, we ended up actually, he worked with me in ozone therapy for six years before he passed. Um, but what led me into this industry was, it was like, Hey, is there anything else that could potentially be helpful for Matt and, uh, potentially improve quality of life, that kind of thing. And so hyperbaric oxygen was the, there was this, uh, guy at our church that recommended using hyperbaric oxygen and he had a wife that had some issues. And so he had actually built his own hyperbaric oxygen chamber. He was Come an on. engineer. Wow. Huh? That's <laughs> yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was a hard shell chamber goes up to three atmospheres, all that kind of wow. thing. Um, and, and so Matt started to use that and it greatly improved his quality of life, like better energy, less nausea, um, just pretty much all quality of life metrics improved. And it was kind of the thought process was like, oh, damn, like Johns Hopkins didn't even mention this thing that has no negative side effect, but is immensely positive for him. So like what else is out there that possibly mm -hmm. they're not you know, they don't know about or they're not talking about. And so that kind of opens up your paradigm, right? Is once kind of that uh, <laughs> you become disenchanted with the medical system and think, well, maybe they don't know everything. And yeah. and they truly don't, you know, a, a lot of medicine, like nobody has it all under control and the cutting edge really isn't that cutting edge and like all this, you know, kind of stuff. But like, the, I mean, there, there's a lot of good work being done in the world. So I don't want to uh, diminish that, but I think it opens up your eyes to say that, you know, there's not all the, we don't have all the answers yeah. and they definitely didn't. And so let's look for things that might be helpful for Matt. And a lot down that road, ozone therapy was one of those things that had some studies on it that showed that if you do IV ozone therapy while undergoing chemotherapy, 70% improvement in quality of life metrics. Come on. Like that's huge. 70%. Right? That's massive. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yet, and there's good studies and with on an it. oncology team because my my very small experience in this world only because I had a friend who was undergoing chemo and then would come to me and say, "Well, what else can I do?" And there was literally nothing we could come up with that the that the oncology team would say yes to. Like they basically threw yeah. up a wall and said, "No." Yeah, like, their their attitude no as far as you're concerned, we're God. Well, and it's and it, because and part of it is that, and I think part of it is 
we don't know what it's going to do. And so, and so God forbid you're engaged in something that is experimental because now they don't want to mess up their experiment. And I would sit there and say, well, wait a minute. I've read studies that say that if you fast for 24 hours, and this is simple, like fasting for 24 hours going into chemo, you will actually, it makes the chemo more effective against the cancer cells. It protects your healthy cells. And very often people have fewer side effects from the chemo themselves. Like they're less nausea, less hair loss, the whole nine yards. And the, the, the information that the response that would come back is, oh no, you need to eat because you're, you've lost too much weight. And I'm like, I'm all, I'm all in for that. But if a 24 hour fast can help you not to feel nauseous and then you can eat on the other side of it, we're kind of ahead of the game because it's yeah. days of nausea as opposed to one day of not eating. And if it might help, you know, so, and I'm not saying that it's the be all end all, but it is to your point, it's a little bit, it's still a little bit disappointing at how, I guess how closed um, the current paradigm is to anything outside what they know. Yeah. I was just talking with, um, Matt Kaufman, I think it was Matt Kaufman. He has the integrative thoughts uh, podcast that he does, but he, I, I think it was him. It might've been somebody else, but he was saying that uh, with ozone therapy, he, uh, he essentially made some suggestions to his, like his conventional clinic and they actually changed some protocols because they did the research and went into what Amazing. he was talking about. And uh, I was like, that's really rare. Like there's really, uh, you know, very rarely do you hear practitioners actually like listening to the patient, trying to, you know, not just like throw up a wall and say, nope, not interested in that. That's not a part of the plan, but actually do research and look into it. Um, yeah, like that's definitely a needed thing. And I understand like time is a problem. So you can't, you know, read everything, go into everything, but there's a few tools that can be massively helpful for chemotherapy. I mean, methylene blue, hyperbaric oxygen, IV vitamin C, IV ozone therapy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do that are, that is really helpful in that. And essentially what they're doing is they're a preconditioning agent. So in the case of ozone therapy, since we're getting that increase in endogenous antioxidant enzymes, it preconditions you for trauma. So they did a study where they had these rats and they had three different groups. They had a group that they applied uh, far infrared light therapy. They had a group that they did ozone therapy. And then they had a, a sham group, which they didn't do anything for. And then they would induce heart attacks into the rats. Hmm. And with a group that did ozone therapy, the heart function afterwards, and they do an aut autopsy and like look at the heart, have like different, uh, you know, things that they look up. But the, the heart function of the rats who did ozone therapy was almost normal. And as opposed to the other ones looking exploded, like it, it looked like just this slab of meat that exploded. And I have that in some of my presentations with pictures that goes through everything, goes through the study and all that. But it's really impressive what some of these treatments can do as a preconditioning agent to help you go through um, different traumas. And that could be chemotherapy. That could even be something just like a car accident, like your body being more equipped to handle those things. So it builds almost like it builds resilience into the system on a bunch of different levels. 
Yeah. I mean, just like exercise, we're super familiar with that idea is like, yeah, if you exercise, you're more capable of handling stress and trauma and different things as opposed to if you don't. And so that's a concept that people are already familiar with, but just haven't attributed it to the idea of vitamin C or methylene blue or ozone therapy or hyperbarics. Yeah, I find methylene blue also. I mean, I find all of these things super interesting. Obviously, I think they they all have a place, but um, um, but you know, methylene blue. It, it, the problem with it, I think, the biggest problem with it is it's blue. And you know, my I had some, some methylene blue delivered to my parents in Florida, just because it was easier to get it there, and then I would pick it up. And then I told my mom and dad, don't don't open it. Just wait until I tell you what to do with it and how to do it. And my poor father decided he was just going to jump the gun. No idea what this stuff was. And mm-hmm dumped a dropper full into I don't know how much water. And I think if you mention that day to my mother, she will still melt into like gales of laughter because the look on my father's face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, his teeth were blue, his mouth was blue, the glass was blue, the sink was blue, everything was blue. He was horrified at the taste of this stuff. I got a text saying, you must send this back. It tastes awful. I don't know what it is. Your father's going to be blue for we don't know how long. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and so now on the back end of that, I'm trying to explain to them, oh, but it's really good and it's antibacterial, like it's antimicrobial and blah, 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 and great for your for your mitochondria. Nobody wanted to hear anything from me anymore. This was now banished to the things that Natalie sends us that clearly show that she's off her rocker and we must be cautious. Kind of thing. <laughs> Just trying to transform everybody into a Smurf. That's all I'm doing here. Okay. All, right, all I'm trying to do is make you blue. But you know, but you'll be alive in blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And methylene blue is kind of like a newer trend. So, you know, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on that front. But I mean, even high vitamin C, like there millions of treatments have been done with that. There's a lot yeah. of really great research on it. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's some of these things that could be adopted and yeah, they, they, they really should be. Hey guys, we interrupt this program for a very brief, but very important message. As you may or may not know, about a year ago, I became aware of Level Up Health when the founder and formulator, Kyle Vanderleest, reached out to me in my Facebook community. We had a long chat. I tried a few of his life-changing formulations and the rest, as they say, is history. Level Up Health's product range is truly unique. Their, I would say this is their flagship product, Ultimate GI Repair, combines the best natural botanicals and nutritional nutritionals with powerful orally of bioavailable peptides used in functional and integrative medicine to give their customers products that actually work and help you achieve your health goals, whether that's gut health and healing, liver detoxification, reducing inflammation, supporting brain function, or biohacking and optimizing your health. And I have to tell you that the feedback from the community members on these products has been incredible. Each product formulation was created to address specific health goals and to reduce the multiple six to 12 products you might otherwise need to take and simplify it down to an all-in-one supplement. So to learn more, check out their website, www.leveluphealth, level has no ease in it. So lvluphealth.com to see the full range of unique products Level Up has to offer. And make sure that you use code NAT10 to save 10% off your order. Now let's get back to the episode. I think, you know, with people like you and and some of the doctors out there, I mean, I think one of the issues also for clinics adopting a lot of this stuff, particularly in Canada, I know that the medical boards are very not flexible 
<laughs> not not very open to people bringing this kind of stuff into the world. But but without getting going down that rabbit hole, because there's no point right now, um, you, we, we had start at the beginning of the conversation before we even started recording. You were talking about some of the some of the the set because you host teaching symposiums and you were talking that one of the ones that you have coming up is you're talking about how meth uh, how hbot like hyperbaric oxygen therapy can work with ozone therapy is that correct or you're just talking mm-hmm. about hyperbaric so maybe do you want to talk about that a little bit because i know there's a lot of listeners who've accessed hyperbaric oxygen therapy for a number of different reasons from anti-aging to dealing with different um neurodegenerative diseases or or chronic brain traumatic brain injuries or whatever the case may be but then bringing ozone into the picture how does that how does that work do they work together do are they used sequentially how does how do they kind of interact i mean it's all yeah and i'm going to be one of the guys learning at the training event too because i just kind of host the business side um and facilitate the connections and and get the the teachers on board and all that kind of thing but yeah so i mean my understanding of it is that they're extremely extremely synergistic um but there there are some differences so in the case of traumatic brain injury if i had to choose one of the treatments i'm 100 percent choosing the hyperbaric oxygen like it's just better as far as traumatic brain injury is concerned um if i'm looking at an infection i would choose ozone therapy but where do these two kind of cross paths is that they're working on similar pathways. They're both creating the reactive oxygen species and the lipid peroxides in the blood, in the system that the body is, is essentially getting a little bit stressed out from and creating that beneficial response. But yeah, you like in a clinic, they might use IV ozone therapy um, before doing a hyperbaric oxygen treatment. So do the IV ozone therapy, get in the hyperbaric oxygen, and that might be a treatment protocol. And so this guy, Dr. Ryan Myers, who's going to be teaching at this event up in Salt Lake City, he's going to be talking about his protocols that he uses. And he he does, uh, what's the hyperbaric oxygen protocol where they're doing like, what is it, 50 sessions in a month or two months or something wild? Is that the anti-aging one that they did in Israel? I think it was, yeah, based off of a study, but it's pretty intensive. And so he's using the IV ozone therapy as a complement to that as well. And so it's it's used, uh, they can basically just be run in tandem. Anytime you're doing one, you're able to do the other. I think the biggest limitation is time and money. So like, yeah. what does somebody have the capability potentially doing? And it depends on the issue that you're going there for. So mm-hmm. if you could only choose one with your time and money or resources, you know, it, it, it is going to depend on the indication. So if you have the traumatic brain injury, like I said, I would choose that. If you have an infection, I would choose the ozone. But yeah, they... They can just be run in tandem indefinitely. For sure. Well, actually, that's a really even understanding that, right? Like that while they're both complementary and if money was no object, both would be beneficial. If you had to pick one, then there'll be different indications for 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 each one. You know, you're looking for microbiome or gut pathogen support, that kind of thing. Probably the ozone applied properly is going to take it over the HBOT. I mean, HBOTs might be helpful, but it's just less of a direct hit. So, so Mo, so in terms of people accessing ozone as a therapy, so, you know, if I go to your website, you're selling medical grade devices. So people need to be able and willing to make a significant investment. What about, what are your thoughts on 
there are ozone supplements, which I know you also market as well, but then there's also these little home ozone generating devices that I think they come in around, I don't know, maybe around $200. So they're relatively affordable. Um, and they sometimes come with insufflation kits that, you know, whether for rectal insufflation or you talked about vaginal earlier in terms of giving that stimulus to help that micro, that biome kind of reset. It's almost as a reset. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the home devices? I mean, obviously the medical device is going to be better, but not everybody has a few thousand dollars to spend. And maybe it's not appropriate for everyone to own a high level medical device. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll get into that um, real quick. I would say if you're considering ozone therapy and want to understand it, it is a little bit of a learning curve because you're using a gas and most people aren't used to that. So an hour or two is usually all people need, but you do need to say, I'm going to sit down for an hour or two and get my head around this and figure it out. But really from there, it's pretty easy. It's something that takes a few minutes a day and you're set up for the rest of your life. And so our website, drsozone.com is an educational site. That's all about ozone therapy. There's a guide that you can download on there that walks through everything. Um, and that's a really helpful resource if you're trying to kind of see what's what and what is, you know, all these different applications. Cause if you just go to a product website, you know, it's, it's covering things from dental to injections to, um, aesthetics to the IVs, to the home use and all those different applications. So it can be a little bit overwhelming just to look at the product side. So get the guide. That's really the best way to get started on it. But as far as like uh, you were asking about what's the difference between different machines on the market. So essentially there are laboratory or medical grade ozone generators that run on oxygen tanks. So they require pure oxygen 99.9%. That can be commercial or medical like they're, they're the same thing. So there's commercial oxygen that doesn't require a prescription. You can go to a well su supply shop and just pick that up and it's good to go. Or you can get medical, which requires a prescription. And there's a little bit more bureaucracy involved with that because you have to get a prescription. And then uh, a lot of times they want to rent it instead of sell it to you. So most people just get the commercial oxygen. But um, so what's the difference between like a medical laboratory grade ozone generator and one that would make ozone water? Is that kind of your question? Kind of. And because the ozone wonder one also, and, and certainly in the in the marketing of it, they will say we also sell insufflation kits. And so we will also I mean, they're generating ozone gas. Um, but yeah. I, I'm guessing that the concentration and the of the gas that you're able to produce from a little machine like that is very different than what you can produce from a medical from a more industrial machine. Well, I can't speak to the one you're talking about because I'm not familiar with it. So, but I can say that I haven't seen what appears to be a good, like medical grade machine out there for IVs and insufflations, the ozone enemas and that kind of stuff for under a thousand dollars or close to, I think there's one out there that's like 950. Mm -hmm. um, the other ones are usually just like they were repurposed uh, ozone generators that are typically used in like aqua tanks. So like fish tanks and that kind of thing, um, right. as a disinfectant. And they're usually just repurposed versions of that. And a lot of times they don't have medical grade components in there. So like I said earlier, that ozone is very reactive. It wants to break things down. Um, you have to be really sure that your machine isn't breaking anything down. So like the ones on Amazon that you can go get, they'll usually have non ozone compatible materials that are essentially creating contaminants, microplastics, micrometals into the ozone gas. And then that would be going into the, the water or whatever you're using. However, I would say that 
If you're using the, those machines work perfectly fine for making ozone water and then pouring it onto a wound or, you know, putting your hand in it or whatever, that kind of thing. I think they work great. And if that's all you want to do, that's definitely the way to go. That's what I would do because it's less expensive. It's super easy. They just use your room air. They're not using an oxygen tank. So you don't have to bother with that. Um, but they're really kind of confined to like the limb bagging. So that's when you have like, say, an infected wound or a diabetic ulcer. You put that into a special bag that's made from ozone resistant material mm -hmm. and uh, you infuse the gas in there and it helps to kill off the pathogens and speed up the healing response and all that kind of thing. So they work really well for that, but I definitely, you know, I don't know the machine you're talking about, but um, you do want to make sure that they're using laboratory grade materials inside the machine. So there's only a few components. There's a small list. There's like Teflon, silicone, 316 stainless steel, 310 stainless steel, quartz glass, um, certain titanium alloys. And, and there's even a difference in alloys. So the reason that you could use, say, like 316 stainless steel as opposed to just like your kind of cheaper stainless steel is because there's a... Um, a part of the alloy is chromium oxide, which is an already oxidized metal. So when the ozone is up against it, it's an already oxidized metal, so it's not going to oxidize it further. And so that's why it's ozone resistant. Um, same, you know, the quartz glass, Teflon, the silicone, all that kind of stuff is good to use. But that's that's usually the biggest um, differentiating factor between what you would find on Amazon for like a hundred bucks and like uh, uh, a few of the ozone therapy companies that are out there. Okay. Well, that's um, actually really good information because it's important to know what questions to ask. Right. And I think just giving people that information is very valuable because they can look it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make this like, I always get annoyed when people are like, Oh, you're just making a thing that sounds like you're the only one that you can buy from. That's not the case. There's a few no. good companies out there. You can go find them. I do. I'm super biased. I think we're the best. I've worked really hard at it. We're one of the only companies that's exclusively focused on ozone therapy and uh, doing a lot of work in that space. So we've tried really, really hard to make it super good. Um, but yeah, there are other companies that you can get from. And so I think the important thing is just to, you know, look into it, see if ozone therapy is something that's going to be helpful in your world. You know, maybe it's the chemotherapy, maybe it's Lyme disease, maybe it's like an optimization thing. We didn't even get into some of the optimization portions of it, but it has some really interesting studies surrounding that. Well, we have, um, we have a few minutes. We can oh, sure. Yeah. So there, there was a couple <laughs> studies in. that have happened in the last year. They were both on semi-pro athletes from different countries. I think one was Israel and one was Turkey. I can't remember exactly the country, so don't quote me on that. But um, they were doing IV ozone treatments on semi-pro athletes. So all similar lifestyle for the most part, right? I mean, some might be eating a little bit less healthy than others, but for the most part, they're doing similar training. They're of a certain caliber, all that kind of thing. And so they had, um, in one of the studies, they had 80 of these people, 40 didn't do ozone therapy and 40 did. And they were both on the same training program. So each group had identical training that were, they were doing, and they were looking at what's called anaerobic threshold. So mm -hmm. when you're jogging, when you're running, you're aerobic up into a certain point, and then you switch into anaerobic metabolism, which is less efficient. So you're building up more lactic acid and you're yeah. creating less energy. So if you're doing a stamina sport, you want to stay in a, uh, in an aerobic state because you're producing more energy. It's much more efficient and all that kind of thing. So they're looking at anaerobic threshold to say, Hey, how long, um, does it take for somebody tra to transfer into the, the anaerobic state? 
And what they found is the group that did the IV ozone treatments, they had an 18% improvement in anaerobic threshold, meaning the window was pushed up by that much. And that was for treatment that you have to do. And the other good thing about this study is you kind of got to see how many treatments you have to do and how long it takes before it returns to baseline, because that's not a permanent thing. Um, It's uh, four IV ozone treatments every two months um, gets that results. And I think it was about 76% of the athletes. And there was another study that was done that was actually, actually similar um, which kind of verified this one because it was by a different group, a um, little bit of different methods, but they also did IV ozone therapy and they were looking at VO2 max. So VO2 max is the amount of oxygen that you're breathing in. It's an indicator of how well you're actually utilizing oxygen. And they found a 28% improvement in VO2 oh, max. Wow. And I think it was 68% of the athletes that did it. So it's not everybody got that big of a boost, but um, it, it was uh, quite significant and over the control. So they're doing in that one, particularly they're doing the same training program. So the control group that wasn't doing IV ozone therapy also got an improvement, but it was only 12% as opposed to the 28%. So again, that was a really nice thing to see. Um, but what does that mean for people like every day? Well, if you're an athlete, it's kind of obvious you're going to tire out less quickly. So your anaerobic threshold is going to be higher. Your VO2 max is going to be better. So you're not going to get as fatigued as quickly. And it's pretty noticeable. You don't want to do it the day of you want to do, if you're doing IV ozone therapy, you want to discontinue it two days prior because you are creating that stress. So you might feel a little bit more gas the next day, but you should come out of that stress stronger and be able to perform better um, just two days prior. But yeah, so the athletic improvement, but that also equates to like brain fog and fatigue. And Mm -hmm. so they've done studies on chronic fatigue syndrome. They've had massive, massive uh, alleviation of symptoms just using IV ozone therapy. It's I think 52% improvement in symptoms, which is just one tool. And there's a lot of things that you can do. So that was pretty exciting because you have on one side, the athletes that are getting uh, optimization enhancement or or they're getting a performance enhancement. And then on the other side, people who are sick and just aren't getting proper energy production also have an improvement in their symptoms. And it doesn't get down to the base of the problem in that context, but it was pretty helpful for people. And it does help with the oxygen delivery and the microcirculation and uh, the nutrient and gas exchange that needs to happen on the cell level. And so those are kind of some of the things that people can expect in terms of optimization Uh, amidst the, uh, the antioxidant um, enhancement that we talked about for aging. Well, and I think also with not the athletes, but the people on the other side with the brain fog and and the chronic fatigue, sometimes for those people, if we can find a way to bring energy back to the cell and energy back to the system, it kind of, it's almost like it gives them a little leg up and it can help these healing cascades to kind of take hold a little bit better in the context of other things that they're doing. So in and of itself, it may not be the one thing that made them better, but could it be something that just brings more energy to the system that allows them to take another step towards resolving whatever their issue is? And you know, I'm sure with the chronic fatigue and the brain fog, depending on what the cause was of it in the first place, you probably have longer lasting effect and shorter lasting effect. And somebody would have to take the time to peel that onion and say, okay, in this population of people, if we did X number of it's, it's, you know, if we, if we start to slice 
the population. I feel like in a lot of these studies, we like to take 300 people and see what happens. But a little bit like what you were talking about with that one cancer therapy, where if you if you selected out the people with a particular genotype, this one chemo might have been the thing that really helped them versus everybody else. Well, now this could be a chemo drug that could be really helpful for a portion of the population. Similarly with the ozone, if there's a certain, you know, a certain presentation of whatever the factors are that led to the brain fog in certain instances, the ozone therapy might really be a game changer for them on a longer term basis or not. But again, we have to ask those questions, right? We need those those whether it's doctors, practitioners, or researchers, to to be willing to kind of take out slices of the population to see who's getting helped and who needs something else, kind of thing. Yeah, it's a tool definitely worth knowing about, just like a lot of these tools that you probably talk about in this podcast. But yeah, it's one of those ones that it's really good to be aware of because it can be used in many different aspects. So you can use it on the skin infections as well as the Lyme disease, as well as the um, adjunctive cancer chemotherapy agent. And so I, I think it's it, it can just be used in so many different aspects that it's well worth taking some time to get a understanding of what it is, even if you don't use it, there'll yeah. be a friend or a family member that does. A hundred percent. And so um, one thing on your site that is very accessible are the ozonated oil supplements. And so mm -hmm. those are for primarily for ingestion. Can they be, I was wondering, can they be pierced and then used topically as well? Would there be an effect there or is the oil a bit of a problem no, like uh, we delivery? have the the ozonated oils for skincare are on the website, and those are the primary purpose part, of the ozone sorry. oil. Yeah, so those okay. are those are on the site, um, and that's the primary purpose. So diabetic okay. ulcers, skin infections, that kind of thing, they're really really popular for. You know, I, I would say for like we used to try to do a little bit more with like acne and that kind of thing because that's what everybody's interested in is more the aesthetics aesthetic side, but. That's really not where they shine. I mean, go to Young Goose Skincare or whoever it is that you yeah. recommend that, you know, is really good and uh, they're going to have better skincare products for aesthetics. But as far as um, skin infections, um, non-healing wounds, diabetic ulcers, scarring, it's helpful for scarring. So if you have uh, surgery, um, apply it every day day, a couple times a day, and the scar will be greatly diminished yep. um, from that. And so that that's really where it shines is in those instances. And that's where it can be massively helpful. So we do have the ozonated oils on there that that work for that. There's also the capsules. Those are more mm -hmm. for like stomach infections, like Helicobacter pylori or Giardia. Yeah. And so it can be, it's mostly used for that. People kind of think, oh, is this ozone therapy in a pill? No, it's like a stomach infection thing or a gut infection. And there is anecdote on people saying that um, it helps with uh, like not food allergies, but food sensitivities. So if like, say you're going to go out to eat at a restaurant and it normally bothers you when you eat at that restaurant, if you take these prior, again, this is anecdote. I've just heard it like a hundred times is that it, it diminishes the negative response that people get from that food that typically would irritate them. So that's the ozonated oil capsules. Um, but I'm constantly learning and growing. And so it's like the ozone saunas, um, I'm not huge on those still, but they're at least for the first time 
ever was a little bit of research that indicated there might be a systemic response from it that benefits the whole body and not just the skin. Um, because I, I had a little bit of a, a, a fight with people <laughs> that had ozone saunas for a while um, because like they would say, oh, it's just ozone therapy IVs, except, you know, I have to do the IV. And I was like, you know, there's zero research on that, right? There's nothing to equate these two things. Um, and like, like, I, I want to believe that too, because it would be way easier, less invasive. And, and overall, that would be a better treatment if it could do the same thing. But um, I, I've kind of come around a little bit to say like, yeah, there is some stuff on it and I need to be more open-minded because people do get good response from it. Mm -hmm. um, I still wouldn't, you know, there's no research indicating that it does the same thing as IV ozone therapy, but there is some saying that it might be, uh, create a systemic response. And so right. they're just looking at biomarkers that are created by IV ozone therapy, doing an ozone sauna and saying like, this affects some of the same biomarkers, but to the degree we don't know, to the effectiveness for different things, we have no idea. Um, but yeah, all that to say, is that I'm constantly growing and learning in the field of ozone therapy, which is exciting for me. Um, and, and so maybe these ozonated oil capsules have more, they, they definitely have more purpose than just that. It's just, we don't know about it yet because it hasn't been researched. And so people use them for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. Have you seen them used for psoriasis and eczema, like those, those types of skin conditions? Because I think there's some literature on ozone and psoriasis and eczema. Yeah, it can help with the flare up, but that's about it. So it's yeah. not like going to resolve the eczema, psoriasis. So, um, but yeah, as far as the inflammation that comes from those things, it can be a little bit helpful to that. But um, honestly, there, there's, you know, a lot of good products for that. I think the ozone oils are good. If you have them, I wouldn't use the, if you tried a ton of other stuff and nothing else has worked, I would give them a shot, but there's probably a a lot of other areas like young goose, I think is one of the best. I, I think it's the best skincare com company out there. I'm sorry. I hope you're not endorsing a different I, one. <laughs> I love young goose. No, no. I mean, I, you know, okay. there's, I think there's a couple of good ones out there, but uh, young goose is at the top of my list. People know that I, I can't stop blabbing about them. If it's not the yeah. hyperbaric mask, it's something else. So <laughs> yeah. And I'm massively impressed with Amitai, just a tremendous yeah. human being. So they have a really good company, but they have some NAD stuff. That's really good. helps with inflammation in the, and the skin too. Um, but yeah, it, it, it can be helpful, but it probably wouldn't be the first thing that I would go to. Okay. Awesome. So as we finish up, Micah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your world? Like you just your own health protocols. I know that obviously ozone is your business. It's your life. Um, so ozone is a part of it, but, um, tell us what else, maybe tell us a little bit about what else you feel really brings you to your best expression of yourself that you practice on a daily basis. And you've alluded to a few of the things during the podcast. So, yeah, I'm kind of annoying because I, I don't have like the coolest routines and the, the, like all the coolest stuff and hacks. I'm kind of a, a minimalist in some ways, you know, I have a lot of overhead and then I have multiple businesses. I have, you know, office building, uh, properties, all that kind of stuff. But, but like all my clothes, I can fit into a carry on suitcase. I drive, you know, a pretty crappy car. And like, so I keep pretty low overhead as far as like my personal life. Um, and 
yeah, as far as like health hacks that I do or different things that are helpful, it's also kind of falls in suit with that, that it's pretty simple. You know, as far as exercising, I exercise with what I have access to at the time. So most of the time, since I'm busy, it's a 40 minute workout where I just get after it with body weight stuff as hard as I can for 40 minutes. And, you know, I'm just dripping sweat and it's very difficult. And then if I have access to bumper plates and that kind of thing, I'll be doing some of the Olympic lifts like the clean and jerk and the snatch. And so it just depends on what I have access to. I like to do a lot of different fitness styles. Um, and then I'm a big fan of ice baths and saunas. I like the elements. Mm -hmm. I think those do something different to the body. They're a stress response that the body responds to and does really well off of. I know Dr. Mercola has denounced ice baths recently, but I'm still a big fan of them. I think they're very beneficial. It got rid of my asthma. I wasn't even looking for it to do that. It just did. Um, and then I was like, oh, dang, there's something to these. And then I got yeah. kind of into it after that. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, on my Instagram, I, I went viral on ice baths for a little while. So I have uh, tens of millions of views on the ice bath stuff. Um, so a lot of people know me for that now, even though it's not an expertise of mine, it's more of just a personal interest. Um, and then saunas, I think are tremendous. I just think that's something that everybody should have is some sort of heat therapy, sauna therapy. And so if I had to choose like one thing that was more of a tool and not just a lifestyle thing, I would say sauna for sure. I think it's yeah. just tremendous what it does for the body. Um, getting rid of all that buildup, getting rid of stuff in your body, creating some heat shock proteins. <laughs> Um, I think it's just really tremendous. Um, so yeah, those are, that's, those are kind of the two things that I'm into and then, nice. uh, working outside, being a good sunlight, getting good water, getting good air quality, really big on community and creating community with people, uh, whether that's in my professional life or personal life, like that's a really big focus of mine. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot of like interesting, expensive stuff. I used to have a lot of things that I just sold off of and downsized and have kind of gone back to, the basics. And I don't even take much for supplementation, you know, and take a few things, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, you know, I think we go through different phases and waves in, in our, in life and finding, finding, finding what's working for you now um, and not getting sucked into all the cool stuff all the time and being open to the possibility that down the road for whatever reason, there might be something else you need to. It's very true because I'll have different yeah. needs in the future. Exactly. And I mm -hmm. think that's, that's one of the things that, that we often forget is that you don't need all the things all the time at this, mm -hmm. at this very minute, but be open to the possibility that what you're doing today won't necessarily meet, be the thing you need to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. We, our bodies are fluid and we have different needs as we move through our different stages of life and even based on the inputs coming in from the outside. So I yeah, do love this minimalist approach though. It sounds very peaceful to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I wish I wish it was as peaceful as it sounds. It's yeah. just life. Life is so busy, um, and so yeah. I mean, doing business and managing relationships, it's a lot. And I tend to anytime I have a little bit of freedom, I go on these sprint walk cycles that you alluded to earlier. And so when I have a time that's a little bit more calm and I'm, you know, only working 50 hours a week or something, it's like <laughs> I take that space and I, it just becomes very vision oriented. And then there's a lot of vision. And then that means there's going to be a lot of execution and implementation <laughs> in the future. So um, I, 
I've done that to myself enough times to know better, but I still keep doing it. So <laughs> well, I think the world is a better place for it. We all get to benefit from those visions <laughs> yeah. of yours, Micah. So you're doing something right. All right. Well, tell people where they can learn more, find out more, where they can find you. If they're a practitioner looking to access some of these trainings that you're doing, because I know you're ramping that up over the next couple of years. So where, yeah, where and people I mean, learn we, more? We do free online trainings every week for practitioners and patients. So you can go to drsozone.com and get access to the live Zoom calls. And those are just group calls that we train on it. And um, uh, we also have courses. We have a lot of different ways people can interact with the information if they prefer to read, if they prefer to watch video, if they prefer live calls, if they prefer phone calls, texting, whatever. Because we, we, it, it's a comp it, like to bring this to a more popular space has been a lot of work. So we have to create uh, access to information in different mediums for people. So that's why we have so much. Um, it. but yeah, the, the best way is drsozone.com, drsozone.com. A lot of really good articles on there that I still need to upload like 80. I've been saying that for like six months. I just have them on the back end, and I haven't completed them. Uh, well, I mean, they're pretty much done. I just need to finish them up. I've written thousands of pages on ozone therapy. So it's, it's a lot, but, um, yeah, the drsozone.com is the best place to go. And again, that's drsozone.com. And then my personal Instagram is Micah for health, all spelled out. And that's more me. So it's just like whatever I feel like. Sometimes I feel like posting, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I post twice a day for a month and then I don't post for three weeks or whatever. So, you know, um, yeah. and it's all over the place. Like I, um, I like to journal a lot. So I take some of those entries and I actually just put them up there. Um, and so, and it's kind of, um, you know, those don't get much exposure, but it is more raw, I guess. Um, but I don't have to feel as vulnerable because only 10 people see it. And then the ice bath videos, millions of people see it. So <laughs> it's like all over the place. <laughs> there you go. All right, Micah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a pleasure and a great conversation. And, uh, I look forward to our paths crossing again and learning yeah. more. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, you're a great host and really just amazing person. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And back at you. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Each week, I share my biggest key takeaways from that week's podcast episode, giving you insight into how to take action on what you learned in the interview. Plus, I share the biohacks I'm loving that week and why, as well as facts and tips about peptides for longevity. To join the newsletter, head over to natalienidham.com forward slash newsletter to get access now or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning in to today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in biohacking your superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.